Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. I don't know what number this is. I've lost track. (laughs) How about you? Psalm 27. We may close it out. I've been saying that, but I don't know. And for some of you that wonder what I'm talking about, we've been at least on 10, 11, 12, 13 lessons. What, 13? 12? This is 13? 13 lessons. And we're only touching the 27th Psalm. We're skimming over it. Amen? By rights, we could preach on it for a year. So, if you found 27th Psalm, I don't know that I'll take time to, the time to read the whole Psalm. So, let's just read from verse 6. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me, put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over under the will of my enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Our Father, I thank you that the Word will go forth in power. And the Spirit of the living God will quicken this Word in the hearts of those that hear it. I thank you for attentive ears and receptive hearts. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, we've already been through seven. We have touched the surface of seven important things for the believer to know. When confronted with trouble or adversity. And uh, just to very quickly reiterate, we found out number one was the Lord is your light. Trouble and adversity presents darkness and confusion. The Lord is your light. Number two, the Lord is my salvation. He's our deliverance. People seek deliverance in many different ways. But when will we seek it from Jehovah? Amen. And number three, the Lord is the strength of our life. Trouble and adversity always presents weakness in ourselves. But blessed be God, He said, I will infuse my inner strength into your very being. That you be strengthened with might by His Spirit and your inner man. That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. Amen. And then He said that my heart would not fear. In other words, I'm walking in heart faith towards God. And then he said in verse 6, My head shut it up. We said one must have a right mental attitude towards God, towards your relationship with Him, towards the sacrifice that was provided for you, towards your place in the body of Christ. And then we said number 7 was to offer the sacrifice of joy and shouting in the tabernacle. And all these things work together. And as I said, if you're lost, well, you have to get the first 12 shapes. Amen. So we're going to pick it up from right there. And we're on number eight. We're going to read to you and give you the next three. Number eight, seek my face. You find that in verse eight. And number nine, faint not. You find that in verse 13. And number ten, The tenth thing you should know is wait upon the Lord. And I think I'll give you at this time a better rendering of the word wait. I think sometimes we miss it. Say, I've been waiting on God. You know, yeah, but what are you doing? Just waiting. But see, that's not what the word means. The word wait there from the Hebrew uh, text means bind together with. 
bind together with. Not just wing. Bind yourself together with. I like that, don't you? Bind yourself to See, someone just, someone just waiting is just waiting. And you think you're waiting and you think, you know, you're waiting on God. God's really waiting on you to bind yourself together with Him. It's really, it has the same understanding that Paul wrote in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, when he said, after having done all to stand, just stand. In other words, bind yourself together with the Lord and just wait. Hallelujah. And He'll bring it to pass. That's the inference here. See, that's what he's inferring. Now, let's go back up to uh, number seven. Point number seven is to seek his face. I'm going to bring out this evening a twofold meaning of this phrase, seek his face. Notice that the psalmist said in verse eight, When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Now, you can really have two understandings of this phrase, seek his face, seek my face. And I'm going to give you both of them. But first, let's talk about seeking his perfect will in your life or seeking his will for your time of trouble. Seeking his face. In other words, directing your thoughts towards him as being your deliverer so you can get your way out of it. Seeking his will. What should I do? What am I going to do? There's a lot of ways you can get delivered, you know, through the word of God. Did you know that? And many times, because we haven't sought the face of God, we didn't go the right way. And uh, instead of getting out of darkness into light, we got ourselves into more darkness and more confusion and trouble. So, seek His perfect will. Seek what the Spirit of God is saying to you. How many remember that Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless, but when I go, how be it, He, the Spirit of truth, shall come. And when He has come, He's going to... Show you things to come. He's going to speak, not of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak and declare it unto you. So you see, we can seek his face and get guidance that way. Seeking his will in our circumstance. Now, of course, it's going to come through the word. So walking in his will is walking in his word. Seeking his face is seeking his will. Now, I'm going to pick up here where I left off before I give you the second part of this. Seeking the face of the Lord. You remember that I was in last meeting, last Sunday night, giving you part of our testimony. How we sought the Lord in our circumstances. And the different means whereby we went about to seek direction of the Lord. And we're going to incorporate these three steps right here along with this testimony. He said, seek my face, faint not. Wait upon me, or bind yourself together with me. Seek my face. Faint not. Don't faint. That's important. Don't faint. And bind yourself together with me and stand. In other words, stand waiting with me and you bound together. Whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose. I'd like to be bound up with God. Don't you? You know what being bound up with God means in your trouble and adversity? Hallelujah. It means deliverance. It means victory. Now, because of people having a wrong mental attitude towards the walk of faith, towards depending upon God, instead of walking in the light of His love and walking in the light of His Word, they get off in the air. They hear what we call the faith message and they get themselves into a place of extremism and wildfire and fanaticism. And move out ahead of God and consequently get themselves into deep trouble. They make false steps because they have not sought the face of the Lord. Now, I was saying that when the call of God came upon my life, that as you should know, especially if anybody has experienced the call of God on their life, when a young person has burning with inside his spirit God's call, and he knows that the Lord has plans for him, maybe in ministry. It's very easy to just go out ahead of those of God's plan. It's very easy to react in emotionalism, to act according to the senses, and just get out of the wisdom of God, get out of the light of God, and just step out there and just start doing something. Because of the burning that's on the inside of your spirit to serve God. There's a fire on the inside. 
Now, I remember when we first got called. When I first got called to the ministry, I knew I was called to the ministry. But I don't know, maybe you call it common sense. Maybe you just call it having some, a little bit of wisdom. And you know, worldly wisdom won't hurt you if you use it right. If you use it right. I knew that since I was called of God, that the first thing I had to do was study to show myself to be approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. When you've been called out into the ministry, God the Father becomes, now listen to me, your employer. Not only are you a born-again Christian, but now you have been called to work alongside of the Master in the ministry. There are many professions that are here this evening. Many of them. Many different ones. That is your job. That's part of your livelihood. It's part of your life. It's a part of life in the earth. When someone is called of God, that does not change. Just because I was called of God does not mean I don't work any longer. I had to go to work. Only I was making a trans a transitional period. I was transferring jobs. I was leaving the secular world to work for the Father God in His system. But the ministry then has become to me not only a calling, but it's also my job. And some people say, oh, dear Lord, you call that a job? Well, actually, yes. The Bible says you are laborers together with Him. I labor for the Lord. See, some have the idea that a minister doesn't work. But let me say this. Beyond that, also, I have a relationship with the Father God. I have a relationship with my wife. I have a relationship with my children. I am not exempt from teaching and training my children in the way that they should go. I am not exempt from establishing a meaningful relationship with my wife in all three realms, spirit, soul, and body. I'm not exempt from that. I am not exempt from the attacks of the devil. I'm not exempt from the financial system in this world. I've got to live. I've got to do everything that you have to do in your secular job. Plus, I've got to do the work of the Lord. So, as I said, we went to school and left off to go to school and had, I had three jobs in a nine-month period of time. And each job I was promoted. Because of walking in the perfect will of the Father, we got promoted. So, we sought His will in every one of these steps that we made. And I left off when we were about to come home. We was on our way home from Oklahoma, from Ramah Bible Training Center. And when the Lord said and spoke to us that you're to go home, now here's what I want to bring out. I said to the Father, Father, we don't have any money. Now somebody might say, that's a negative confession. My brothers and sisters, that was fact. Did you hear me? I said that was a fact. But I didn't say anything beyond that. Father, we don't have the money to go home. But you spoke and bore witness in my spirit that we are to go home. If you want me to go home, Father, then I have enough common sense, wisdom, to know you've got to supply the need. Now you ready? Seek his face. Father, I know what your face is saying to me. I know what your will is for me. I know what your direction is for me. I know what your guidance is for me. It's to go home. It's to go back from Oklahoma to Ohio. Here's the problem. You see, I had a problem there. I was confronted with a problem. The will of God in my life did not lead me into the problem, but the will of God in my life allowed problems to surround me. Because I had to go, the devil stood there, looked me in the face and said, how are you going to go when you don't have any money? In other words, people use a lot of excuses not to do the will of God. But hear me. If the Lord tells you to do something, if you are in His will, and something stands in your way, the Father God will remove the trouble and the adversity. He will make a way out. Some of you got yourself into trouble because you didn't understand this. You thought it had to be just your faith, but you see, it's not just your faith. 
Every step out of the will of God is a step into darkness and trouble. But every step in the light of God's will in your life is a step of love. And love never fails. Our success has been totally based on the fact that we followed the will of God's love in our life. And so, I said, Father, you've got to make the way. And, praise God, I didn't do anything more than that. Now listen to me. I didn't do anything more than that. I mean, we were short like about $300 to, to, to travel, to get home. It cost, cost about that much money. And I didn't have that kind of money. Now remember, I'm raising a family. I'm renting an apartment. I'm going to school and working part-time. And my wife is expecting and just about to deliver. All these things are coming our way. And we've got to pay cash for the hospital. Now, that's not a good place to be, and I don't recommend it for anybody. But we just stood there before the Father and said, Father, if that's what your will is, then bless God, I thank you that you must provide the need. And meet, you see, whatever my need is. Now, that's not being, you know, arrogant towards God. I say this, that's knowing your Father. I just knew that the Father had to supply the need. And so, we just said, thank you, Father God, I believe that you'll supply that need. And you'll have to do it. I'll be honest with you. I didn't exercise any faith. What we call faith. Did you believe you received the money? No, I didn't believe I received the money. All I believed was, you told me to do it, you will supply the need. I thank you, Father. And some fellow calls me on the phone and says, Brother, I want you to pray with me uh, and for me. You know, I'm, I'm getting used to a lot of calls like that. When you start to serve God and walk in the light of His Word, you'll get a lot of phone calls. Did you hear me? I mean that. People are seeking godly counsel. So, I'm getting a lot of phone calls along these lines and figure just somebody else you know, needs some help and I'm just going to speak to them and just help any way I can through God's Word. And uh, this fellow says to me, I want you to pray about a certain matter that the Spirit of God has laid upon my heart and I want to know beyond the shadow of a doubt. I don't even want a shadow of a doubt, let alone the doubt. I don't want no shadow of a doubt that this is what I am to do. I said, well, bless God, I'll pray right now. Let's pray right now on the phone. I know God will do that for you. I said, now, Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that you go to any, whatever it is you are going to do for this fella. If you have to do anything, wake him up. Whatever the case might be, I believe I did say wake him up. Whatever it is, you will to show him in the spirit, not on the outside. You see, not any getting yourself into danger. But according to your word, you show him what your perfect will is for him in his life. And the fella called me back three days later and said, don't you ever pray like that again said, don't you ever pray like that again. I said, well, what's the matter? said, the Spirit of God woke me up three o'clock in the morning for the last three nights. Not once, not twice, but three nights in a row at three o'clock in the morning, He woke me up to tell me, tell you what? To tell me that I am supposed to come down from Ohio to Tulsa, Oklahoma to give you the money and to help you move back home. I said, what? I said, I don't doubt it for a minute. I didn't do anything about it. People have a hard time in faith. People have a hard time getting things and working things out with the Father. Beloved, listen to me. It's just knowing what He'll do and what you should do. I said, Father, I'm willing to go home. Oh, dear Lord, do you know what it meant after going through nine months of all that? Finally, I figured vacation, summer, no school, relax a little bit, catch up on some sleep, hallelujah, get to know my kids over again, this sounds great, pack your bags and get the rolling. Oh, Lord, we weren't even home, I think a week after I graduated. See? But I said, that's your will? I'll follow your will. I'll do what you say. So... The Father, God, when He leads you and guides you, He's obligated. Do you think a father would lead you to a place and not supply the need? People tell me all the time, you know, I know the Lord led me to do this and to do that, but I'm having so much trouble. Why are you having so much trouble? Now, please accept this in love. Either the Lord didn't tell you, or you don't know enough about your father to let him do what he wants to do. You're making it hard for him. Because if the Father tells you to do something, my friend, the Father is going to back up His every word. And He's going to supply your every need without you having to struggle through faith. 
I mean to tell you, we didn't have to struggle through faith on the things that he declared for us to do. And so this fellow comes on down. He packs his belongings. He comes on down. And uh, he, he, he comes and uh, helps us pack up everything. We get on home safe and sound. Praise God. And the first thing I did when I came home. Now, here's, here we go. Back to seeking my face. Here I am. I'm a graduate of Raymond Bible Training Center. I come back home. The only inkling I have that I'm going to do for God is just to be a youth leader in one of the Christian Assembly churches there in Youngstown, Ohio. With no pay. With a family and a newborn baby especially. And with no pay, just going to go there and just, uh, just to help out the kids. Now somebody who would walk out of love, I would say, would say, well, listen, I'm a minister now. I'm a minister. I won't do anything like that. I'm not going to go in there and just be a youth leader for nothing. See, that's a bad attitude. See, the force behind faith, my friends, is love. Love is the force behind faith. Love is the energizing force behind faith. When a person's faith's not working, you can rest assured he's not walking in love. Because love is what's behind your faith to make it work. Know what I said? I would be glad to come and help out these kids. And I had two people in the kitchen, of the, in the basement of this church, and you never saw anybody preach for 45 minutes like I preached for two kids. I was on fire. By the time they got out of that session, their God, they didn't know which way to turn. They thought I was holding some big evangelistic crusade with preaching to 500 people, to 1,000 people, 10,000 people. Two kids. One week, only one came. And they said, would you rather we not? I said, bless God, I'm ready. Get over here. <laughs> oh, bless God. His ears probably still ringing. <laughs> I'd preach in the car. I'd preach there at the church. I'd get them on the sidewalk. It didn't matter what. But here's what I'm getting at. If you want to learn how to hear the voice of God, do what the Word says to do. Find what your hand finds to do and do it. See, the Lord knew He had called me to be a teacher and pastor. I didn't know that. I didn't know when I left that place what I would do. And many are walking in, the sa in that darkness not knowing what to do. You know why? Because they didn't take the next step. See, before I would get another step from the Father, I had to take the step of leaving and coming back here. So, each step that you take, more light comes. Seek the will of God. Seek His face. When it comes, do it. And when you take that step, the next step will come. So, I did what I knew to do. I found myself a job. And as I said, how ironic it was. Here I am now, supposed to be a minister of the gospel. And I come home and I put in applications all over town. Nobody's hiring, but somebody... Everywhere I put an application and nobody hired me. Not, not one hired me. But somebody called me on the phone and said, You looking for a job? I said, Yeah, how do you know? I didn't put no application in over where, you, where your place is. Said, I know, but I just saw it somewhere else, so I called you. Saw it somewhere else, so she called me. She had a painting business. So I says, okay, I'll come to work for you. I'll, I'll work. So there I was, instead of preaching inside a church, painting inside a church. I'm painting the walls with the brush. Someone said, boy, you really missed God, didn't you? No, no, I didn't miss God. The Bible says you're supposed to support your family. He that doesn't work shouldn't eat. You've got to do these things. You don't get exempt from leading a natural life on this earth just because you got born again or called to the ministry. Amen? You've got to seek God's face through His Word and do His will. And so we continued on to do that. And I continued to, for a little while to teach these youth. And then I was preaching and teaching. This might seem amazing to you. I was preaching and teaching four and sometimes five nights a week. Bible studies. One here, one there. When you want to find, put your hand out to do something for God, there's a lot to do. There's enough to do. When people say they can't do anything for God, I don't understand what they're doing. There is so much to do for Jesus. Lift up our eyes and look. There's so much to do for Jesus. Now, I knew the anointing of God was on me. I knew He had called me to a teaching ministry. I knew that the Spirit of God was upon me. I didn't have to, I didn't have to uh, you know, say a word about it. As a matter of fact, I didn't say a word about it. I didn't say anything about it to anybody. Everybody told me. Everybody walked up and told me. People are trying to push off what they think God has given them 
and they're trying to make it known to people. But blessed be God, I never said one thing to anybody. Everybody came and told me. You know, let God exalt you. Don't exalt yourself. Let God exalt you. He's the one that calls you. He's the one that's going to carry you through. Amen? If He's the one that led you, He's going to see you through. I remember that when I was speaking. We just had a 15-minute sermon to give when I was at school in communications class just to give us a little, get our ears wet, so to speak, you know, just to uh, have an opportunity to speak. And if you ever was down at Raymond Bible Training Center and you saw the believers down there, it'd be a blessing to preach in front of them kind of people because they're just on fire for God, you know. And uh, I, I shared this before, but I bring it out here again now. But I, I was... Uh, in, I met a couple people. You, you meet some people when you're down there and you, meet, you get more friendly with those that you are sit by and you associate with. And so we got to know this couple, these, this uh, fella and a girl real well when I was at school there and we went to the same church together. When it came to the time to preach, now see, they knew me just by talking. And when it came to the time that anybody who volunteered to preach, there would be only so many to volunteer because there wasn't enough time really in the course to get everybody in there to preach. So I was the first one to put up my hand. Nobody else wanted to preach. They figured, I'm not going to go up there in front of all these Raymond students and make a fool out of myself. If the anointing of God's on you, my friend, that should be God. Just go up there and open up your mouth. Just go up there and speak. And so I slipped up my hand and said, I'm, I'll, I'll do it. I'll praise my hand just like that. Praise God, I'll do it. He said, okay, you're number one. Boy, I'll tell you, I had a thrill inside. I wouldn't, go up in front of a, I wouldn't go up in front of a congregation like this here. I wouldn't go up in front of a group of people for nothing. You couldn't pay me enough money in the world to go up there and do it. Because I couldn't do it. I could not speak in front of people. I would not do it. I could not do it. And I just plain old said no. But when the anointing of God came upon me and upon my life, I didn't care how many was out there. I could preach the one or a hundred or two hundred. I guarantee you. I remember one night here when it snowed. Bad. We had only a handful here. You think that the whole church was packed like it is tonight. No matter to me. It doesn't matter if there's just a little kid sitting over there. I'd preach the same message I'm preaching to you right now. It doesn't mind anything to me. And so I got up there and I just began to speak. See, when you go off and talk like this here, beloved, it sounds like, whoa, he's tooting his own horn. Listen to me. No. Because people don't tell the whole story, people get off in the air. And I've seen that. They get off in the air. They have a uh, fantasy world about faith. Either you're called of God... Or you're not called of God. If you're called of God, the Father will equip you and anoint you and you don't have to say anything about yourself. And I'm just bringing this out to show you that he did this very thing. I got up there in front of all them people to speak. They gave me 15 minutes. Can you see me preaching 15 minutes anywhere? 15 minutes and get done before the bell? 15 minutes. You think about that next time we're here for a couple hours. Maybe tonight. But anyhow, I got up there and same people, same group, been there with them for six months, knew me personally. And I got up there just to speak Luke, I remember, Luke's Gospel, 5th chapter, verse 17. And all I said was a few words from that chapter and gave a little testimony about healing. And the anointing of God came down in the entire place. All I did was speak. Not even, 15, not even 13 minutes probably is all I spoke. And just said, anybody else could have said. All I said was, you see over here where the power of the Lord was present to heal them? I said, the same power to heal is here now, tonight. And just gave an illustration of how we did this and some sister got healed and miraculously healed and delivered. And the same power of God is here tonight. It was there when I was teaching and it's here right now, right here. Healing power, it's here. The anointing of God is here. The glory of the Lord is here. And just like almost a cloud. And I just went back and sat down. Now see, I still don't know what God wanted me to do. I knew that I could preach. Not out of my own ability, but just say whatever you had to say. And for some reason or, or another, it was anointed. See, I learn more now because of the anointing of God. See, there's anointing of God that abides within you, but there's also anointing of God upon those that He has called to public ministry. And that anointing came down, and they just looked. I sat back in my seat, and they said, We never saw anything like it. We never saw anything like it. I said, We're sitting here with you for six months. But when you step behind that pulpit and open up your mouth, 
said, your countenance changed. And something came over you. See, they recognized something. What did they recognize? The anointing and the calling. Oh, beloved, there have been many that have stepped out ahead of God and ruined the anointing upon their lives because they did not take time to seek the face of God, nor did they take time to find direction in their own lives and stepped off into a realm of foolishness and presumption. When God calls you, I say, you just hold true to your ordinary course of living. And as you do, follow His every step. And you never have a problem with faith. Beloved, I'm not talking to you from the standpoint of a 20-year-old Christian who was raised in a home that was born again all their life and was raised in full gospel churches and all from a knee-high to a grasshopper, knew the things of God, understood the Bible, walked in light of God's Word. I'm speaking to you from a standpoint from someone who did not get saved until he was 24 years old. 24 years old, knew nothing about full gospel churches, knew nothing about the anointing of God, knew nothing about the Bible at all. And only one and a half years old, not even two years old. And he's leading me into a pastorate. Only God can do that. Man cannot do that for himself. Let God be God. Let Him call who He calls. Let Him anoint who He anoints and let Him do His work. I thought everybody that was called born again had the same experience. We went through in two years what a lot of Christians have not gone through in 20 because we followed the call step by step. I mean that. See? So what I'm saying is even though this happened in our life, does not mean that everybody in the family of God is going to have the same thing happen. You continue to do your job. You continue to seek the Lord. You continue to live for God. You continue to study your Bible. Study to show yourself to be approved. And above all things, put your hand to work in the church, in the body, on the street. Whatever you can do, do it now. Because until you do what you know to do, you'll never get another step. Until you do what you know to do now, you'll never get another step. You'll never get the next step. Because faith means that step does not come until you're ready to move with God. See, the light is only enough for one step. Each step must be fulfilled before the next step comes. And so that's where we were. Now, with all this knowledge, since we're growing in this now, I come back home thinking I should thinking, like I said, most of them would just be ready off and just go and just open up a building. Matter of fact, everybody said, why don't you go and open up a building, just get a building and open up a church and we'll all just follow you. Do you know how good that sounded to my flesh? To the senses? I wouldn't have to go to work, maybe. Huh? Good, huh? Just get this group together and just go start a church. Well, there was over 30-some people. There was hardly more than that when we came down here. Isn't that right? See, we could have just, I was in my own hometown, had my family there. All I had to do was just go get this little building over here and just say, Here I am, boys. Just come on in. I'm going to start a church. I didn't do that. People said to do it. Why didn't you do it? Because the voice said, No. I didn't get a witness in my spirit. Had I done that, I would have been in a whole lot of trouble and my faith would never work. You can't get out of God's will and expect your faith to work. The price you have to pay for being out of the will of God is expensive. So, there I was painting that church, working like I was supposed to work and supporting my family and teaching three, four, sometimes five nights a week and doing all that I can for the Lord and, and, and still performing that which I am to perform as a husband, as a father, as a supporter of my family. And my relationship with God. And when the Lord saw that. And the faithfulness. And you may not get this. Then he spoke. Listen to me. Then he spoke in an audible voice. And then he spoke in an audible voice. You know what's the problem with people? They're waiting for the audible voice before they start doing what the Bible tells them already to do. I was doing all I knew to do. 
I was doing everything my hand found to do. I was fulfilling every part of my obligation as a human being, as a Christian, as a father, as a husband. I was doing my part. Then an audible voice came and said, You will be the next pastor of that church. If I went by my own merit, I would have been a hundred yards or miles, I should say, from this place. Me? I'm only a two-year-old Christian. Now, you put yourself in that same position. Do you know what it means to be an under-shepherd? Do you know what it means to stand before the flock of God and have the message of God's Word burning in your heart and affecting the ears of those to hear and they may act on what you say? Beloved, be not many masters, knowing they shall receive the greater condemnation. For many things we offend. But if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. Can you imagine the awesome responsibility of taking God's Word and rightly dividing it to God's people? Not as being raised from a youth. As a two and a half year old Christian. That's still in diaper stage. Isn't that right? Think about it. I couldn't do that without the anointing and the calling and the ministry gift of the teacher. I couldn't do that. But you see, that calling, that anointing, that teaching gift must be developed and I'm responsible to do it. But the Lord said, and the word of the Lord came unto me saying, you will be. I will not argue with the Lord. I told the, the pastor of that church, I will not do it. But... Moments later, as I was on my way down here, this Holy Spirit spoke. When the Holy Spirit spoke, I said, I will. That was His will. I made His will my will. Seek His face, not what you want to do. Now, here it is. I could have had myself a little church over there. And I would have gone behind that pulpit. And I would have preached. I might have preached God's Word. And it would not have prospered. And things would not have happened like they should. And someone would say, you know, he preaches the Word. I wonder why nothing's going on here. I want to, you know, if most, if people would just get to where God wants them to be, you know, their, their churches would prosper and everything would go like it's supposed to go. Did you hear me? I said, if people would be in the will of God, their faith would work. Their churches would prosper. There'd be an anointing upon the, the ministry. But because they don't find the perfect will of God and because they do things that He doesn't want them to do, just because they want to satisfy their own flesh and their own senses, sensual desires... A mighty work of God is destroyed before it ever gets off the ground. Yes, beloved, you're in the midst of a mighty work of God. You are in the foundation stages of a mighty work of God. Not because I'm here, but because He told me to come here. And because He told you to come here. And He has brought Himself together a body of believers. And each one of these believers, at the sound of my voice, has a part to play in this body of Christ. And the calling upon this body is that we build up for Him a spiritual habitation that the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost could live in our midst and demonstration of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if every one of you would take your place in that body and I take my place in the body and we stop the strife and the division and all seeking this and seeking that but seeking the will of God, seeking His face and taking your responsibility and being a part of that body that is fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, by the effectual working of the measure of every part, then this body together in God's divine plan would be in such order, such arrayed with the glory of God, clothed with humility, living for God in such a way that the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost would be actually living and dwelling in this place when we get together. I won't do your job if you won't do mine. And if you'll start doing your place in this body, beloved, I tell you now, an anointing will come upon you. Anointing will so strong will come upon you. You might be sweeping the floor, but you'll be dancing while you're doing it. That's right. And you know what? When you lay your hands on those babies, then they'll be healed. Did you hear me? Yes. That's right. Don't stop the flow of God's power by being out of God's will. I could have made a lot of wrong moves if I wanted to. 
by not hearkening. Yes, every step we took was a hard step, my friends. Every step. Every step of the way was awesome to us. Again, I say, you're not talking to a 20-year-old Christian. You're talking to a baby. At that time, one year old. Think about that. That's all. Just a baby. But thank God I didn't know that this didn't happen to everybody. I thought everybody sold their houses and, and all their belongings and left their jobs and went some, to, some, you know, some utopia on the earth that God reigns and all we've got to do is just go on down there and just have a good hallelujah party. That's how I was to the born again experience. I didn't know. I mean, I believed that. I thought there was only two things in the world when I got saved. Number one, the Catholic Church. And number two, born again Christians. Because I was raised in the Catholic Church. And so I figured that's all there is. Two things now. The Catholic Church and the born-again Christians. And now I'm a born-again Christian. Look out world. Here I come. That's it. That's all I knew. That's all I knew. And they, he, the Lord led me out into the no man's land. <laughs> it's worth just knowing that. But praise God, we studied His Word to show ourselves approved unto Him. And every step of the way, beloved, because we were in God's will. Faith don't work outside of God's will. I'm going to tell you right now. So if you're having problems with your faith, find out if you're doing what your hand is to do in the body of Christ because you have a place in the body of Christ. Well, I could really go on this probably the rest of the night. But what I want to bring out to you, we could have fainted along the way at any time. We could have fainted along the way any time. We had perfect opportunities to faint. But you know the Word of God says, you will reap if you faint not. Did you know it said that? So what the psalmist is saying here, seek his face. Find direction from the Lord. Find his perfect will. Seek it. Begin to walk in it and faint not. Because it looks like everything is disastrous. It looks like everything's going to fall down. It looks like you're not going to make it. It looks like all hell breaks loose against everybody that decides to do the will of God. That's what it looks like. And your flesh wants to fall and faint under the pressure of it. And we had an enormous amount of opportunities to fall and to falter and to faint. But blessed be God, something on the inside. The strength of God. I couldn't turn back. I knew God called me. I knew God wanted me to do it. I knew the Father was speaking to me. That's why I can't turn from this message of faith. I know it's true 100%. I know it works. See? We could have fallen. We could have faltered. We could have painted. But what did we do? The last step was bind yourself together with God. I hung on to His Word. My wife and I held ourselves together, joined ourselves together, hung on to God's Word. And beloved, He saw us through every single step, every inch of the way. Every single inch of the way. Because, again, as I said, we were in His perfect will. Colossians 1.9, what does it say? I desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, that's what he's referring to. Because I knew his will, because we acted in accordance to his will, our faith worked automatically. I mean, there was never... Someone, as a matter of fact, someone said this to me. You ne in your life, you've never had to wait for an answer. Why? And I didn't really have an answer to him. I couldn't... He said, you, we struggled for months trying to get an answer from God. It's, it seemed like you always get one. Do you have, this is what he said to me. Do you have a hotline to heaven? He said, uh, you know, other people are struggling here. He says, and you go in your, you know, you go in your backyard and, or somewhere and get on a phone and call, hey, Father, you know. What's going on? How come you seem to get your prayers answered? I'll give you an example. One time we had an enormous need. And, uh, I mean, enormous need. It was over $400 need. I mean, we just had no way to get it. Didn't have it. Had no way to get it. Living by faith. And uh, we said, Father, I, I, never, I never, never asked God. For, I never believed God for that much money at that time. We believed more since then. But I never, you know, had asked him for, I asked him for a little bit less than that. But I said, well, Father, you know our need. Our need's $400, almost by, a little bit under that, three ninety something And uh, this is on a Friday. I said, Father, we, we, we need $400. Jesus' name, I ask you for it and believe I receive it. 
And you know, it wasn't even 24 hours, it wasn't even two days. The Lord brought in us over 400 and some odd dollars. You say, what did you do? Nothing. I didn't do anything. I just asked them for it. Now, it doesn't happen that fast all the time, but I'm just saying, I didn't, I didn't do anything but ask them for it. The life of faith is not that hard of a struggle. I found out this key fact. When you are in the perfect will of God and you are walking in the love of God, your faith will automatically work for you. There's no struggle. Father, I need. The Father says, you have. Write this down if you haven't. Having a need means having it met. There's no such thing as having a need and the Father not meeting it. Having a need means having it met in the eyes of your Father. According to His riches and glory. Now, we've done things like that, I mean, in, in different ways, and these things would happen. And I said, well, now, Lord, why is it? Why is it that we seem to get our prayers answered, and why is it that people are struggling? And he spoke it to me and sh showed it with, to me. They're not walking in my will. They're not walking in my love. I said, oh. Oh, I've seen ministers. I've seen ministers struggle. I counseled with them. I mean, men that have been in the faith years more than I have. And almost would be ashamed to come and say to a three-year-old Christian when they're like 20 years born again. You know, the Spirit of God showed me was never in my perfect will. I wanted him to do this, and he ain't doing it. Your faith's not going to work outside of God's will. You know, the Spirit of God speaking to hearts tonight. This assembly is right here. There are many things that need to be done. But, not everybody could be up here. Not everybody could be over there. Not everybody could be on the board. But in the body of Christ, not everybody is the hand or the eye or the foot or the kneecap. In the body of Christ, the whole body has got to work together. I am convinced in my own spirit that if people in this body would just take your place in the body, seek God's face, seek His direction in the body that you're in. Why do you think people go from church to church, to church to church, to church to church? Because people that He actually calls in, you say, well, it's just a pastor. It's not just a pastor. Everybody has a part in that body. And if everybody was taking their place in that particular body, in this body, in that body, in that body, and doing their part in that body, you would see a spiritual move of God that would make the whole body join together in the same unity of the faith. I'm convinced of it. But you see, oh, they don't do it the way I like to do it, and this one don't do it the way I like to do it, and this one don't do it, I don't like the way they do this, and, I, and so that they go over here. And they find when they get there, if you're trying to be, a, be pleased and pleasing everybody that comes according to the flesh... You never please a soul. If you're looking for the church that has everything in it that you love and not one mistake, you'll never find it. As long as they're made up of human beings. But if you're looking for a place to worship God in spirit, to worship Him in truth, and walk in love as God through Christ loved us, and take your place and mark your banner right there, this is my place in this body, I will fulfill it, Father God. Not only will you see that body grow, but you will see your prayers work like that and get your prayers answered. I know that for a fact. I don't understand it. I lay my hands on my kids, they don't get healed. Well, think about what I just said. I mean, we sought the Lord, beloved. We sought the Lord. And I want to bring out this other aspect of seeking the Lord. Notice he said, seek my face. Seek my face. As I was laying upon my bed and meditating, for some reason the Spirit of God whispered. I didn't catch it. I didn't, I didn't get the vision of it. But He said, Seek my face. And that whisper came so softly and said, Did you notice I said to seek my face? And I said, Yeah, I read it. I just read it four times. Seek my face. Seek my face. Seek my face. Seek my face. He said, Yeah. He said, Did you notice that no one could look on my face and live? I said, What? Don't you remember I told Moses back there that nobody will look on my face, but I told you to seek my face? He says, I have set that before you as a goal setter. Seeking my face makes, means seeking my fullness.
He said, and you set your heart to seek my fullness. If you look upon God's face, you're looking upon all of God. All that He is is coming out of His face. If you were to look into the face of Jesus Christ upon this earth, one would just look into deep wells of living love. So deep you couldn't get in there that far. Because Jesus' face was the express image, the brightness of God's glory, the express image of His person. Only clothed in flesh. And when a person has set their hearts to seek the fullness of God, there's no room for feigning. There's no room for quitting. Because as long as you're seeking His face, and as long as you're in this body, it means you will continue to seek until you leave this body. Until you come up out of this body. You remember there in the book of Exodus, the 33rd chapter, when Moses said, I want to see your face. Oh, I want to see your glory. And the Lord spoke to him and said, no man. Well, he says, I'll show you my goodness. And Moses didn't get it. He said, I want to see your glory. He said, I'll show you my goodness. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. And when I put you there, you'll see my, I'll put my hand and, and you'll see my back parts over his face. You'll see my back parts. Because no man will look upon my face because of the glory of it. Imagine the glory that's coming out of the face of the Father God. That glory, that such wonderful glory, the brightness of that glory. No man will look upon it and live. You can't see my face. You can see my back parts, but you will not see my face. I want to show you something here in the, in the book of Psalms. Look at the 17th chapter, verse 15. Again, as I read this the first time, it didn't dawn on me. But then as I meditated upon it, again the Spirit quickened it to me. In my spirit. In verse 15. As for me, this is the decision that I made, but I didn't know it. As for me, I will behold your face in righteousness. Now remember something here. The, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ has shined unto us. And the psalmist said... I will behold your face in righteousness. Or the word to look upon or to see. I will see your face in righteousness. And I didn't stop there because he wanted to say something else that's astounding. When I see your face in righteousness, I shall be satisfied when I awake. Again, that didn't dawn on me right away. With thy likeness. Well, let's put it all together. As for me, I will behold your face in righteousness. I will be satisfied when I awake with your likeness. And just as I read that, I heard it inside my spirit. Listen to the words here. It just rang out of my spirit. The Spirit of God bore witness in my spirit so loudly. It was more of an inward witness, but a loud inward witness when I read that. I will, awake, I will be satisfied and awake with thy likeness as he beholds his face in righteousness. And it whispered inside my spirit, Awake to righteousness and sin not. Awake to righteousness. I will behold your face in righteousness. Now, saints, awake to righteousness and sin not. His face, looking in the righteousness of His Word, is clearly seen. And when we awake to righteousness, we will see ourselves in His likeness. When we awake under righteousness, when the body of Christ awakes, not to condemnation, but when we awake under righteousness, who we are in Christ, then we'll be satisfied because we'll be in His likeness. I will see myself as he, is, as he sees me. I will be seeing into that mirror His face. And as I see His face, I'll be changed into it. Let's go to 2 Corinthians now. And I'll show it to you clearly. Seeking the fullness. Not only His will in every time of trouble, but 
You set the course of your life. You set your heart to finding and beholding the face of God. You let that be on the forefront of your mind. You let that be your goal setter. You let that be the, the prize that you're running for. Your race, you're in a race. You're running the race. But the prize that is waiting for you is His likeness. The prize that is waiting for you is His glory. I mean the fullness of His glory. That's why Paul says, I don't consider myself to have already attained. But I am still pressing on because my goals are not set down here. My goals in my life, I'm not satisfied. Like the psalmist said, I'm not satisfied until I be in thy likeness. I won't be satisfied as long as I walk on this earth where I'm at in my Christian walk. I'm going to set my goal right there. I want to see Him face to face and me in His perfect likeness. That's what He's saying here. And when I wake to righteousness fully, I'll see it clearly. And if that's your goal setter, beloved, it'll keep, your, keep you on the right direction. It'll keep you inching forward and changing and changing. And here's the reaction. Here's what takes place. Second Corinthians... Uh, let's look at chapter 3 first. Verse 12. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses was put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament which veil is done away in Christ but even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. They will awaken. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. And we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. As we behold His face in righteousness and look into it and see it clearly and awake to that righteousness and let that be the goal setter in our life, fully following Him to the fullness of His glory, slowly we are being changed day by day into that same glory. Let's go on and read this rest of this and I'll show you how it ties in. Going on to verse 6. For God who commanded light to shine out of darkness had shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side. There's where your trouble comes from. That's what the psalmist was indicating. There is trouble. There is adversity. There's all these things that are coming against me. I'm not, you're not going to grow with that kind of attitude. But here's Paul's attitude. We are troubled on every side, but not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body. All right, from the body standpoint, the dying of the Lord, mortifying the deeds of the body, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. These troubles that are all around you are real troubles. They are facts. But if you'll let your body die, if you'll let your body be crucified, if you'll not look at those things, but look at righteousness, the face of God, and seek His direction, keep your eyes on Him that liveth, forever liveth to make intercession. Keep your eyes focused in on the fullness of His glory. Here's what happened. Go on down to verse 16. For which cause we do what? He said, seek his face, but don't faint. The armies will be around you daily, but don't faint. As you seek his face, for which cause we faint not. Because though the outward man in this perishing does not mean he's decaying and growing old and one day going to die. That's not what he's referring to. But because of this outward attack, because this outward man is being like a, a bag of death, just... The devil throwing everything he can. It seems like we're we're first, it seems like we're we're just being destroyed from every it seems like we're a sacrifice of death. Our body's just just dying. We have sacrificed 
our bodies to be mortified for God. And we're fainting not, even though these attacks are coming this way and this way, and, and it looks like you're just about to be destroyed, Paul was saying. Whipped and beaten, persecuted, spit, laughed at, etc., etc., etc. All these things are happening to me on this outward man. But I'm not fainting, he said. And because I'm not fainting, the outward man is decreasing and the inward man is increasing. The outward man is being mortified, but the inward man is being strengthened. Our light affliction, he calls it light, is but for a moment. What is your life but a vapor? It's just but for a moment. Works for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory, which is seeing Him face to face. While we, here it is, here's your, here's your key verse. While we look not at those things that are seen, your runny noses, your persecution, people laughing at you, being whipped, cast into prison, all these things that amount to persecution, all the troubles, all the perplexities, all the things that are coming your way, all the tribulation, I'm not looking at that. I am not dwelling on that. I've shared some things with you only to bring out the truth and so you can see it from a clear side. You never hear me talking about I can't do it. But so you don't hear me about all the attacks that came upon me. I don't glory in those things. I look not at the things that are seen. For the things that are seen, those are temporal. But, and I'm not talking about when you get to heaven. This is what he's saying. You've got to see this in light. I'm not talking about these things here. I'm not looking at those things that are around me. I'm not looking at all the times I've been persecuted and all the times sickness and disease, all the times the devil tried to destroy me and destroy this church and do all the things that he wants to do. He can try to do all he wants. I'm not looking at them. Don't you know the problems that are going on? I don't care. Hallelujah. I'm not looking at those things. While I look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen, because the things that are seen are temporal, subject to change, but the things that are not seen, they are eternal. Don't stop there. Because this outward man, as long as I am doing this and not fainting, I am reaping the results of life, of glory, the glory of God. I am reaping the life of God is being flooded into me in such a way that the life of the vine becomes one with the branch. And the fullness of this life is flowing out from the vine into my very being. And he went on to say in the next few verses, let's go on and read them. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, but it's not talking about being dissolved yet. If it were dissolved, we have a building of God. He's talking about the inward man. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon. Clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. Now while I'm here, I want to be clothed upon with my house which is from heaven. If so, that being clothed, we shall not be found naked when I go to my house in heaven. Let's go on and see the next verse. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not that we should be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of Zoe, of life. What he's saying is this. I have taken the step to fully follow the Lord. I have focused my attention on the face of God. I want to attain to the fullness of God. I want to receive, walk in the fullness of God. And because I have made that decision in my life, my outward man is being destroyed, attacked, persecuted. You're going to get to a point to where you are actually immune to persecution. Because this outward man is being mortified. It is being destroyed. And it's being, there's a transfer going on. The glory of God, the life of God that's in me is, be, is flowing more through me. And my mortal body, this mortality, is being swallowed up by the life and the nature of God. I have seen the fullness of God, in other words, flowing out from my spirit to where this outward man conforms to the very image. And when this outward man conforms to that very image then you'll begin to walk in the very life of God in the flesh. The life of Jesus manifest in your mortal flesh. People don't even have that goal. That doesn't matter to me. My goal is set right there. I want this flesh swallowed up with the life of Jesus made manifest in it. See? Don't seek healing. Seek the healer. Don't seek the, the, the finances. 
seek the financier. The life is on the inside. It's on the inside. It's inside of us. It's inside of you. It's inside of me. Don't seek the outside, but seek the very face of God. Seek His very life. Seek His fullness. Seek His very being. And when you do, beloved, healing will flow to your body. Finances will find their way into your house. And you will fulfill Matthew 6. Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not. They don't reap. They don't gather in the barns. But my Father feeds them. Aren't you better than they? It will be the life of the vine flowing through to the branch in fullness. You will fulfill Ephesians. I don't... I don't uh, yes, yeah, glory to God. Ephesians, the third chapter, 14th verse. And you, beloved, with me should bow your knees daily and say it with me. For this cause I bow my knees to the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that you would grant me according to the riches of your glory, to be strengthened with might by your Spirit in my inner man, that Christ may dwell in my heart by faith, that I, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, the endless boundaries of your love, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that I may be filled with all the fullness of of God. Fullness. The key to success, the key to your way out of trouble, is to be filled with all the fullness of God. To be filled with all the fullness of God. To be filled with all the fullness of God. Think about it. Of His fullness have we all received. Of His fullness have we all received. And when the life of the vine pours through the branch, bearing fruit will be... Did you ever question the tree that's been fully developed and blossoms beautifully in the springtime? Is it so hard for that to bring forth fruit? No. Don't seek the fruit. Seek the source. Let's all stand. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.